There's a theory I've heard about Chopped, and it's called unlocking the basket. And every basket they put in front of you, they have an idea, there's a dish that they've come up with that is like the ultimate culmination of all these ingredients. It's like the perfect dish. So it's like playing a video game. You put them in the right order, you did the right thing, so you get all these bonus points. Yeah. <laughs> and if you unlock that basket and really put all those ingredients together the way they were meant to be put together, you, you'll, you'll just walk away with it. You'll win hands down. Welcome to the latest episode of Off Menu. Today's show is going to be a fun one. My guest is Robin Washishina, Top Chef Canada contestant and chef owner of Wise Guy Food Truck and Twin Pine Diner in Yellowknife, Northwest Territories. Stay tuned for some inside info from behind the scenes of Chopped, as well as a whole bunch of Robin's thoughts on hamburgers. Let's get to it. Welcome to the show, Robin. Great to be here. Uh, so let's start off with uh, what probably a lot of people will know you from, at least in Edmonton anyway, your appearance on Chopped Canada in Season 1. Tell us a little bit about that. <clears throat> season 1, Episode 3. For a while I got a number of emails from them. You know, we'd really like you to apply, we'd like you to apply. And I ignored about three or four of them because it wasn't really, like I wasn't too interested in it. I'm not really that interested in being on television. I'm more of a, like, I like to cook for other people. That's right. just what I do. I'm more of a cook than I am a TV chef kind of thing, right? And uh, <clears throat> then one day they actually called my cell phone. They found my number from my business and uh, requested that I apply. So I was pretty much headhunted, I think, for the show. You know, they just wanted somebody from a unique part of the country. Right. Because they got a ton of applications from... Quebec and Ontario, like they always do, simply based on population. Yeah, sure. You know? um, but they were just looking for something unique and a, a unique part of the country to be represented. I said, okay, fine. And I applied and really it was just the interview processes. There was four of them. And by the time they were all done, it was just so quick and so easy that it was just boom. Um, I waited to hear back, found out I was accepted. And then it was a whirlwind from there. We went to Toronto uh, on a Tuesday Filmed all day Wednesday, flew out Thursday morning. Like, it was so fast and so intense that it was just, it was all like a blur, like a big blink <laughs> of an eye blur. We were there from, at the studio from 6 in the morning until about 8.30 at night, 8 o'clock at night. So mm -hmm. it was like a full, full day. Yeah, I came in second. Um, what killed me, honestly, I stuck to my guns through the first round, through the second round. I'm just doing, you know, that really good comfort food that I'm known for. Right. And then when the dessert round came, I was making a cobbler. But I was at the station right next to the judge's table. And one of the things that Chef Lynn Crawford said was, I hope nobody cops out and makes a cobbler. <laughs> and I kind of just froze. Oh, and then no. I was like, okay, I'm not making a cobbler. And I changed. But if I'd have stuck to my game plan like I had through the, all the other rounds, yeah. I probably think I would have pulled the victory off because I probably would have fed her a cobbler that she would have just fell in love with. Mm -hmm. 
But I wavered, changed my game plan, and that I, that's what sent me home, you know? She looked at it as a cop-out, and it really, that comment got to me. <laughs> and I was I was scared, because I wanted to impress. Lynn Crawford got in your head. She cost you $10,000. She, she did. She, I think she, she owes did. you. I think so. Lynn, if you're listening, <laughs> I'd like to see some redemption. Was she was she the hard-ass of the bunch when it comes to judges? Oh, God, no. Roger no. Mooking. Mooking crushed me. Everything I did, he did not like. He had to complain about everything I did. And it just, it sucked because, like, I like him. I think he's a good chef. And he's from Edmonton. And he's from Edmonton, too. Yeah. And, you know, this is where I did a bulk of my cooking for a lot of years was here, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it it was just a, it was a crushing thing for me to have, like, you know, John Higgins was complimenting everything I did. Lynn was complimenting everything I did. And Rogers is just, there was complaints about every little thing, like, oh, their cheese didn't go all the way to the edge, and then yeah. this and that, and you burnt the toast a little, but it's like... And the comment about the cheese, I actually thought it was kind of funny, because, you know, of course they always, I'm sure what their strategy is, is they pick the best-looking plate to use for the promo shot, right? Absolutely, and then they take the worst-looking one. They take the crappiest one and make sure the, the judge gets it, right? Exactly. But when you look at the one that was in the promo shot... It looks like it's cheese dripping over the edge. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, you know, you missed one. And yeah, pretty what much. What are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was still one of the greatest things I've ever done. Because really, in the end, what it did was really just give myself, as a chef, the confidence to believe in the food I was cooking. Right. You know, to really say that, okay, comfort food is okay. What matters is good food. And to cook simple food, your techniques have to be solid. Because if you're cooking simple food and you got no technique behind it, it's just going to taste like crap. Yep. You're using five ingredients. There's nothing to hide behind. Is there, you know, out of those three judges, I've met Lynn Crawford a few times now, and, and she's a hoot, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Uh, is there much chance to kind of chat with these people, the judges, in between rounds? Or is uh, it kind of your Between your rounds? No, you're, you don't. Don't even, yeah, you don't even talk to them. You're not, you just stay away. There's no, because they don't want to be, they don't want the judges to be influenced either. Right. So if you're going around talking to all the contestants at a lunch break, then you get to chat and you get to know them and they might say something funny and it sticks with you and then you feel there's some personal things going on. You know what I mean? So it has to be. What was your ingredient out of your baskets that was the most, most of a curveball? I'm curious what you thought was the hardest one. Now I'm trying to remember everything we had in the baskets. The beef jerky was a little difficult. But you had razor clams and and another one. What? Razor clams and hickory stick potatoes, and well, there was the first round was ground I... turkey and cherry jelly mm. and clove. Clove's tough, rake. The cereal too, like in the in the final round, the cereal, the whole peach thing that I did, the peach bourbon thing that I did was um, something that I've actually done a number of times, mm-hmm. uh, like a peach bourbon compote, and right. it's just one of my favorite flavor combinations. Absolutely. So you know that was uh, that was a no brainer when I saw the peach. I was like, oh, there's bourbon over there. I'm going for it. So, <laughs> how many of those dishes ended up on a menu somewhere for you? At the diner in Yellowknife, we uh, we had a waffle. A pecan waffle, a bacon waffle, sorry, with um, bacon bits cooked into the waffle, and then it was covered with four strips of bacon, and then we topped it with a bourbon peach compote, and then um, we steeped some pecans in some cream, and then we to- topped it with toasted pecans. 
the the miso broth i use miso in a lot of things including desserts i just i love the flavor of miso so i'm constantly using it and uh, it was something at the time when i went into the chop thing that i was just starting to experiment a little with and like play with and trying right. different things and the miso is kind of always stuck around i use it in apple pies uh, mm-hmm. really great in apple pie fantastic in apple pie would you do the show again? Was it uh, overall? It was a really good experience. I think you for know you, what but... they just sent me another email asking about casting, and I know that they do redemption episodes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm uh, I'm 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 probably four or five times the chef I was when I filmed my first episode. Like I said, it gives you the confidence uh, to really believe in yourself. So I would I'd go back. I'm thinking of reapplying again just to see what would happen and see if mm-hmm. they put me on a redemption episode because I think I'd win this time. A lot of stuff, a lot of tricks have been put in the bag since that. That was, like I said, that was four years ago, and you learn a lot in four years when you're determined. So I bet, yeah. What other aspects are a little different in person than what we see on TV? When you, you're done plating your dishes, there could be upwards of a half an hour before the judges even taste. So your food, like my second course, had the, the razor clam chowder. Yeah. And I used the hickory sticks as the potato in my chowder. Right. But they sat there and they for soaked a half into the an soup. hour. Now you lose a right? crunchy element, right? You lose the crunchy element. So you got a, like, a really good competitor on that show and one who's maybe done it already, learns these things. Mm-hmm. And that's another reason why I think if I go back, I really think I have a solid chance because of the... I mean, everybody else is there, has been there before too. Right. But you just, you know, you learn. When when something burns you, you learn. Yeah. And sure. you just start thinking about those things, right? Mm-hmm. And the other thing they do to really mess you up on that show is they have their protein fridge and their vegetable fridge and their dairy fridge. Between rounds, they'll go and take a bunch of stuff out <laughs> and replace it with other stuff. So you can't bank it and go, mm-hmm. ooh, there's some porchetta I'm going to use in the next round and then close the fridge <laughs> and go for something. Because you go back, that's gone. Uh-huh. And it's replaced with something else. So you, there's no, yeah, you really have to be on your toes and you have to be on top of your game or else. See, and the, and the glutton in me is thinking right away, man, I'd be going in that fridge and there's all this porchetta and there's all this, uh, I don't know, really expensive ingredients that I can't well, afford the truffles or something. Thing, right? I'm going to put all this in my pocket. Where I come from, Yellowknife, I don't have access to a lot of these great ingredients. Like if I want something good, like porchetta, I have to make it myself. Right. If I want, even like, there's vegetables. We don't. We get basic vegetables up there. We don't get like anything fancy or crazy that I love working with. And when I got there, I was just like completely <laughs> overwhelmed. It was like, oh, yeah. look at all these ingredients. And I was like, oh, I can use this and I can use this. And you got to watch that too. You get over carried away yeah. with things and the excitement of it all, right? And Absolutely. all these wonderful ingredients in front of you. And you can really... Start taking away from the basket ingredients, which you're supposed to be using, because you have these amazing things in the pantry that you can use. What's the reaction been to the episode in Yellowknife? Oh, people are loving it. I still, even to this day, four years later, people are coming in the restaurant. Oh, we watched your episode. It was great. You know, you did fantastic. So it's been really good. You know, it's been, it's definitely launched my career, you know, at an age where I was getting ready to start thinking about retiring. You know, it's, my career has become the busiest and biggest it's ever been. So, In Yellowknife, you have a food truck and the Twin Fine Diner. Yeah. 
So the diner obviously is uh, is quite comfort food heavy, which obviously yeah, speaks to me is. pretty clearly. Uh, that's what I said before. We have a lot in common as far as our taste in food, yeah, fried chicken and mac sure. and cheese and burgers. Uh, yeah. That's my wheelhouse for sure. What do you think is kind of one of your best things on the, on the menu there? We do a really good fried chicken there. Uh, it's a little bit of a different technique than uh, a lot of other places. It's a really good fried chicken. Uh, and you have the food truck as well. Yep. You started the food truck first, right? <clears throat> the food truck started in 2011. And you've been voted best food truck in Yellowknife how many times? Uh, we were voted best burger in Yellowknife our second season of operation. And then we were just last season voted best food, uh, best food truck. Is there a lot of is food truck culture a, a big thing up there? It's starting to take off. Uh, there was two of us that started myself, and uh, her name is Suzanne. Uh, she runs a Thai food truck. I've heard good things about that one actually from somebody else I know that's been there. So yeah, the food is really good. They got a food truck, and it's pretty. We were the ones who kind of started the whole scene. We kickstarted it all. A couple more have popped up since. Everybody's kind of doing their own thing, so nobody's really stepping on anybody's toes. We're definitely one of the busier ones. Um, we're doing. I'd say between 11.30 and 1 o'clock, we're probably pounding out about two, all close to 200 burgers. Wow. Almost every day. Whew. And in a town of less than like 18,000 people, we're doing quite a bit of business. So. Yeah. Well, that sounds, that sounds like a pretty big number to me, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's really busy for us. And, you know, the diner's carrying over. It's just, it's kind of the same thing at the diner. We've only got 20 seats. It's a really small room, but it's, uh, it, it's just kind of... People are coming. We've added all the burgers to the menu, and we've even added some new ones. And we've got some diner favorites, you know, mac and cheese, the fried chicken. We do a great meatloaf. We got, you know, some really good classic stuff on the, the menu. We're adding, uh, we're getting back, uh, going back into the new year, and we're uh, starting a new menu uh, once we get back. That's going to include, like, a classic chicken salad for the diner. Um, we're going to start actually canning lake trout from Great Slave Lake. Oh. And using it like a tuna. So we're going to have our own canned trout that we're going to use as tuna salad mm -hmm. and such. So yeah, we're going to start doing that. Um, we're starting a soda company when we get back, too. We're going to be making our own soda syrups for our, the diner. Yeah, so that's a, you know new to our, our plate. We're really taking the whole thing quite seriously going in. Uh, I mean, it's kind of tough at the moment. Because my sous chef Jay and I are the only two full-time employees. Like during lunches during the weekday, I'm waiting tables. Jay's cooking, and that's we're the only two people working. Mm -hmm. So I'll go back and drop fries, put buns on, plate, and then run the food out, and then make a drink and serve people. And so it's pretty hectic, you mm -hmm. know. Like we're doing just the lunches alone are busy enough, you know. We're doing 30, 40 people over the lunch hour. In with an two hour people. Wow. with a 20 seat room <laughs> and two guys. So, you know, there's a lot of hustle involved. And for sure, we're looking to extend our hours and expand the business a bit more and expand our menu a bit more, which means we're going to have to start hiring now. And it's good. We're the business is we've only been open six months at the diner and it's just really starting to take off. Like we have to expand already. We're looking at moving to a bigger location after six months. Wow. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's really, really taken off for us. We're really grateful to have the, the community of Yellowknife behind us for sure. You're really well known for your burgers. Yeah. So tell me, in your opinion, what makes a great burger? <sighs> There's so much. <laughs> There's so much required for a good burger. you got to start with the patty, obviously. Right now we're using fresh, just 
straight chuck roast. That's all we, I just like the ratio of it. You don't have to trim it, you don't have to clean it. You can just cut it and grind it. We use the ball and squish technique. So we throw them on the flat top. Smash And we smash take the technique. big, the big spatula we got, the big heavy duty, and we just press it down. And uh, bun, again, the bun needs to be dense, but it needs to be light and airy at the same time. Mm-hmm. Has to have a nice crust on the outside, has to be chewy and soft. There's so many contradictions to the bun itself. Yeah. Like it really has to be all these things at one time. And cutting the bun, you can't just like cut it wherever. It has to be perfectly in half. The top of your bun, the bottom of your bun, and your burger patty should all be the same thickness. That's the way of, that's that's a good burger ratio mm-hmm. to me. And it shows that you care what you're doing. Yeah. Tomatoes need to be super, super thin. Yep. Because otherwise you get that tectonic shift that happens when you bite into it. Everything slides out yep. and goes everywhere. Uh, tomato and lettuce have to be on the bottom. They have to be on the bottom. When you put them on the top, it changes the flavor profile altogether. The way the ingredients hit your mouth, hit your tongue, and your palate, it changes it altogether. The lettuce and tomatoes and onions and whatever you're going to put have to be on the bottom bun, and the patty has to rest on top of those. There you go. I hadn't really thought about that. As uh, I, I think about that kind of stuff more like, how is this thing going to hold together when I try to chew it? But I never really thought, would it change the, the taste to do it, it that does. way? Next time you get a burger and you get that lettuce and tomato that's on the top part, turn it upside down and take a bite and then turn it back the other way and take a bite and you'll see the flavor difference the way the things hit your palate at the and different times it really makes a difference that lettuce and tomato all the condiment stuff has to be on the bottom of the bun i i hate going into a burger place where they they're known for all these fancy burgers that they do these quote-unquote gourmet burgers i hate that term too <laughs> and they put lettuce and tomato on everything yeah. Why? Just because it's a burger, it doesn't need lettuce and tomato. Mm. One of our best-selling burgers is called the Num Nuts. And it is burger sauce and cheese on the bottom of the bun. Then the burger goes on top, and we put peanut butter on the burger, and we make a bacon jam with maple syrup and onions mm. and everything, and we spread that on the top. And adding pickles is an option. And that's it. There's no lettuce, no tomato, because peanut butter doesn't go with lettuce and tomato. Processed cheese, yes or no? Absolutely. It has to be processed cheese. The melting point on it is what you're looking for. That's why everybody uses it, is that melting point, the creaminess, the texture, the richness of it. You have to use processed cheese. Um, we make our own processed cheese, and it's, it's a really, really good product. Melts beautiful. It's, yeah, it's wonderful. First word that comes to mind when I say turkey burger. <sighs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a word, but that's not enough. <laughs> just not enough fat, not enough juiciness. They're generally dry and have a really gritty texture to them. Key to the turkey burger is to mix some avocado in with the meat before you cook it. Avocado in there? That's the fat. Oh, Keeps it I from might actually out. try that. Keeps it from drying out. So you're in town this week, uh, in Edmonton, that is. Uh, you're going to be doing a pop-up at 12 Acres with Chef Corey Rakowski. You want to maybe just uh, give us a quick little overview of what's going to be going on there? Yeah, it's it's going to be a fun little collaborative dinner. There's uh, six courses. Uh, one of the courses, I will be using farm ingredients, and Corey will be using some northern ingredients for another of the courses. Um, we've got a great uh, main course showpiece with the roasted sturgeon. Uh, fantastic little dessert too with some northern all the dishes uh, most of them are going to have 
a good combination of northern ingredients and farm ingredients. You know, we've got some fish, uh, we've got some birch syrup, we've got some juniper, we've got some cranberry that we've brought down with us, some morel mushrooms um, from the harvest this year. So, yeah, it's going to be a nice little uh, dinner, six courses. I think well worth the money that it's, you know, that it's being, that, that you're going to spend on the ticket for sure. And you're, you're talking about maybe doing a burger pop-up as well this week. While burger right? pop-up is a go. We just finalized it this afternoon. Uh, Dovetail Delicatessen on 124th are going to be, they're kind enough to host us uh, and let us do our burger pop-up there. Uh, starts at 6 p.m., burger and a beer for 20 bucks. Uh, burgers for 14 if you don't want the beer. They all come with sides. Choice of rosemary fries or kale slaw. So uh, that's music to my ears because, as you know, I've been hassling you for about a year and a half now to get down here and make us some burgers, and I've wanted to try it. And well, I I've been, been hassling you for a year and a half to come to Yellowknife. So I know well, I still haven't <laughs> managed. Maybe this summer. This will be the summer that it happens. And if it doesn't, next summer will be the summer that it happens. <laughs> so before we go into the popcorn round. I'll give you a chance to give a little shout out to some restaurants in Edmonton or Yellowknife or wherever else you like that uh, that you really like. Well, we'll start with Edmonton for sure. I just love going to Range Road. Blair is a, a friend and uh, just an amazing chef. Love the simplicity of the food there. I love everything he's doing there, the ingredients that he's using. Just went to Nambu the other day, yesterday. Fantastic Korean food. Really enjoyed that. Meat. Went to meat and really enjoyed they got a bottle of 20-year-old Pappy there, so we <laughs> tucked into that and had a little bit of that uh, on Monday night. That was really good. Um, I love going to Dovetail again. I love that deli. I love their food truck. Duchess, always go to Duchess whenever I'm in town. I always hit up Route 99. Yeah? I like Route 99. That's yeah. close to my buddy's house where I, where I usually stay, and I always try to go there for a breakfast uh, at least one point, or Barb and Ernie's, one of the two. Mm. Uh, I don't know what Barb and Ernie's is like now that it's changed ownership, but I used to love going there when I lived here before. Yeah, there's, I could go just go crazy here with a bunch <laughs> of people. I just love a lot of stuff that's going on right now in uh, in this city. Yeah, there's so much good stuff going on, and Edmonton's really, really fortunate to have this huge culinary boom that's happening right now. Like, it's just fantastic. You Lots re- of good stuff. You ready for the popcorn round? Sure. This makes the stress of chopped look like nothing. This it makes <laughs> chopped look like sitting on the couch in your sweatpants watching Netflix. Uh, what was the last song you listened to? Oh, it would have been "Can I Kick It" by Tribe Called Quest. Care to sing a little? No. Oh, damn. One day someone's gonna say yes to that. Other than eating at your diner and food truck, give me one great reason to visit the Northwest Territories. It's beautiful. The countryside there, whether you're there in the winter or the summer, it's just a beautiful, beautiful piece of land. What was your first job? Washing dishes. Like like almost everybody in the industry yeah. probably, right? Yeah, washing dishes. What is the coolest thing about living in Yellowknife? The weather. <laughs> <laughs> I said coolest, not coldest. <laughs> uh, it's just a really unique part of the country. And it, there's a lot of really interesting things going on up there right now that a lot of people don't, you know, aren't aware of. There's just some really cool stuff that happens there every year. Huge snow castle that gets built on the ice every March. And it's a party for the whole month of March there every weekend. 
You just go down to the snow castle, party, drink, have fun inside a snow castle on Great Slave Lake. People DIYing everything. That's the only way you're going to get shit, ha- shit up there and get things happening. You know, there's a, it used to be pretty transient. I know this is getting rambling now. It's not a like one-word okay. answer. But the, the, the city itself used to be so transient. But they're getting now a lot of younger people, you know, 20 to 30-somethings that are coming in to work, falling in love with the place and staying and starting businesses and doing these things and things are just really starting to roll there like four years ago we barely had a culinary scene now we've got five food trucks and at least seven new restaurants that are have opened or are opening in the last year and a half and it's great the scene is growing everything about that place is just starting to change now and it's it's turning into a great little city with a lot of stuff going on so sounds like it's worth a visit yeah do you have a phobia? Yeah, I hate heights and I hate dark, cramped spaces. Oh, you and me too. Like a water slide oh. that's all completely covered is my worst nightmare. City you'd most like to visit? Montreal. Yeah, it's been a, I visited a number of years ago. And again, another city that's just blown up culinarily. Amazing chefs doing amazing things, cooking from the heart. It's just what I'm all about, so... Yeah. Having just gone there less than a year ago uh, and knowing what I know about you, uh, you will be a big fan of Joe Beef. Oh, Dave is a good... Actually, Dave and I have been communicating through social media for a number of years now. Yeah, we're... I'm looking forward to the day I go there. He's a he's a extremely interesting guy. We actually had some wine at the wine bar with him in an afternoon one day there, and he's a really interesting guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, ramen or pho? That's a tough call. I think I'd have to go pho simply based on how trendy ramen is right now and how many <laughs> people are doing it wrong. Toughest thing about being a chef in the North? Access to quality ingredients. If you had your own Food Network show, what would it be called or what would it be about? My sous chef and I have actually talked about this. This is quite funny that you brought this up. <laughs> our, our concept is a restaurant, but it doesn't have a home. So we literally just travel across the country doing pop-ups, using local ingredients, working with local chefs, doing those kinds of things, but literally just taking a restaurant from one end of the country to the other. Gypsy Burger. And you just take the restaurant. Staff, boom, everybody on the bus. Next location. Let's go. The secret to a happy life is? It's, It's kind of realizing that you don't need everything and everyone in your life to make you happy. It's kind of my opinion. I have never been happier in my entire life than I have been working for myself 70 hours a week. (laughs) Learning that, again, the confidence that I got from Chopped, just knowing and believing that what you're cooking is good enough, uh, it translates into your life. You realize, like, you know, you don't need to be friends with everybody. You don't need everybody to like you. Negativity, I guess, it just comes down to getting rid of Any kind of negative shit in your life. You don't need it. You nailed it. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. That's it for another episode of Off Menu. Thanks to Chef Robin Washishina for coming on the show and having a little bit of fun with it. Check the show notes at baconhound.com where you're going to find links to Robin, Wise Guy Food Truck, Twin Pine Diner, and all his restaurant picks. Thanks as always to Mrs. Glass for providing the theme music for Off Menu. Until next time, remember, 
Life's too short to eat shitty food.